This is episode 48 of the Andrew Hines Real Estate Investing Podcast. Welcome to episode 48 of the Andrew Hines Real Estate Investing Podcast. Today I have Mark Smith, aka the 7-2 Investor, on the show. Mark is an inspiring story because he's a brand new real estate investor and he talks about his struggles of being being dealt what he calls a bad hand. So he calls himself the 7-2 Investor because he doesn't think he was dealt the best hand in life, but he's making the best out of it. In uh, only a year of being an investor, he's just about to close on his fifth property. He is taking action. He is taking steps to learn as much as he can and he is getting out there he's getting coached uh, he's moving at an incredible pace so I'm excited to hear his story and share it with you but also I'm just excited to keep watching this guy and see all the things that he's gonna do I know you're gonna enjoy this episode just a friendly reminder that the next Greater Hamilton REI meetup is happening on Thursday January 16th if you are not already on the guest list inside of our private Facebook group please be sure to check the show notes for a link to that group or feel free to reach me at the Andrew Hines on either Instagram or Facebook, and I can send you that link. It's going to be a fantastic time and a great opportunity to meet fellow real estate investors that are doing deals and having success. There are very few better ways to learn than from people who are actually doing it. So I'd highly, highly encourage you to come make it out to the event. I'd love the opportunity to meet you, and I'm sure our fellow investors would love the opportunity to meet you as well. Without further ado, let's get to the episode number 48 with the 7-2 real estate investor, Mark Smith. Hello and welcome to the Andrew Hines Real Estate Investing Podcast. I have Mark Smith, aka the 7-2 real estate investor on the show. Mark drove all the way up from London. Mark, thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited. Yeah, it's gonna be uh, gonna be a fun one, Mark. I appreciate uh, that you're sort of everywhere on <laughs> uh, on social media, which is uh, it's cool. So I, what I gather is that you're relatively new to the game, but you're you're in with a full head of steam, absolutely, and you're fully committed to it, which I think is inspiring for a lot of real estate investors, especially even ones that have been in it for a while and have kind of taken their foot off the gas. Sure. Maybe you can teach us all something. Oh no, I appreciate that. I'm learning. I mean, I'm I'm just a mere mortal in front of giants. I mean, it's just been. It's been amazing with the things I've learned, just been sitting on the sidelines listening and, uh, you know, people have asked me to put out content. So here I am. Yeah. Why don't you just tell me a little bit? Okay. So as an investor, uh, what's going on in your life? When did you, when did you make the decision that you're going to start as a real estate investor? Sure. So, I mean, I'm 42 years old and for the longest time I was always told to get into real estate investing. Just didn't fit. I wasn't there yet, not from a financial side, but I think more of a maturity side. And I think I almost needed an event, which actually did occur for me to get into the game. I did own a place down in the U.S. because uh, I did live in Chicago for six years. Um, ended up renting out that place just out of more, had no choice because I had to move back to, to Canada. I had 30 days to move back with the family and so forth in the midst of a, of a, of a marriage breakdown. Um, so I had a place in Chicago, was cash flowing really well, um, but it didn't run like a business. And it really took until probably August of 2018 where... I just happened to be taking a staycation and just sat on the couch and uh, Katie not had a breakdown. I just, uh, just a lot of stuff was happening around my world and, uh, with a marriage breakdown and just stuff with other, other stuff. And, um, I just came to the realization I want to get into real estate and I don't know what it was. It was just a moment in time. Uh, Zara, my partner, she came home and I said, yeah, we're getting to the real estate game and this is how we're going to do it. Um, and I mean, I just threw it at the wall, met with banks and I said to banks, I'm, this is my situation. I want to, this is my goal initially was 50 houses by the time I turned 50. 
uh, not understanding the whole cash flow stuff and now realize, hey, 50 houses cash flowing, maybe 100 bucks isn't worth it versus having 10 homes cashing, you know, cash flowing 5,000, for example. So I um, sat with the banks and I said, hey, this is what I want to do and I, I, I want to use your guys' money. And instead of them slamming the door on my face, they actually bought more people in the room. <laughs> so it was just very, very unique. And um, and then I just, I, I dug deep, dug deep. I mean, the information, I mean, I'm very fortunate. Um, you know, you hear it all the time from other uh, investors. They wish they had the content that we mm-hmm. have today. Uh, podcasts such as yours, which are just phenomenal information. So anyways, and that's that's basically what happened. Awesome. And so, so just to kind of get the full context, you said mar- the previous marriage broke down. Um, how long ago did that happen? Well, it's still ongoing. Still ongoing? Uh, it's okay. still ongoing. Yeah, it's been expensive. I think I'm at about $150,000 into the legal aspect. Uh, but I, you know what? But at the same time, you know, most would say that's nuts. Things happen for a reason. I've become a, yeah. more, of, more of a firm believer of that. And um, it was, you you need that kick in the teeth. You almost need that, you know, I always call it, the, I'm sure we'll talk about it shortly, about, you know, the seven real estate investor where it comes from. But you get kicked in the teeth and you have to do something about it. And you can either fall on the ground and just fall over and play the victim and, and, and complain about the system, or you can fight back and do something about it. So that was basically the turning point. Yeah, you just decided you were going to do something about it, turn things around. And yeah, and you're right. Sometimes those those things come up in our lives and we just got to react, right? Absolutely. We, well, we have to be able to respond, sure. I think is the, the proper. Well, 100%. Okay, so it was 2018 where you said, I'm going to invest, but you already owned your own home, I'm assuming. No, actually, no. I, oh, I shouldn't say that. I did still own a house in Chicago. Okay. Um, and uh, so you talk about timing. Uh, so I ended up buying that place back in th- mid-2011. Um, it was that one week window where the Canadian dollar was worth more than the American greenback. What year was this? Uh, it was about 2011. Okay, yeah, 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 so yeah I remember about, that. Yeah. Uh, 1.04 or something like that. And uh, of course, when I left Chicago, I mean, we were at what one point two five on the other on the other swing. So I was very yeah. fortunate with that. Um, so I still had that house, but it was being rented out. Um, so really, everything was really frozen in terms of assets wise because of what was happening. Um, so again, that's where you have to be creative. Yeah, sometimes you got to be creative. Now, I'm I'm particularly curious. Uh, you are Canadian, correct? I am. So you were a Canadian living in the U.S., uh, right. working in the U.S. for a time? Correct. Are you with the same company that you were with? Down I there? am. So you just transferred up here? That's right. Yeah. So I was with them, been with the company for 20 years. So was in you know Canada the whole time. 2011, I was given the opportunity to move down to the States uh, on another project. And I was down there for, uh, I want to say, five and a half, six years. Okay. Yeah. And that whole time, my one concern would be, did you have, did you maintain Canadian credit during that time? Great question. Great question. Just to backtrack a bit, when we first moved to the US, because of what was actually happening between 2008, 2009 onwards, uh, it was a very interesting place. Some of the homes I saw in Chicago, I mean, people were just walking away from the homes. It was, it was, it was very sad, very humbling, very sad. Um, the banks would say, hey, you know what, your credit is pristine in Canada, but we can't recognize it here. So instead of putting your 10% down or 20% down, they actually wanted 50% down for a, for a mortgage or for your home. Um, so I had to really build up that credit. Um, however, I did keep my Canadian 
uh, you know, accounts open, kept my credit cards open and so forth, but they weren't being utilized. So when I came back to Canada and I wanted to start building up my credit again, it was like from starting from scratch again. So it was like the number of increase you have in a, in a short period of time affects your credit score and so forth. But I had to build that up. Yeah. Uh, so there was a lot going on. We first moved back, um, had to build up this credit try to find you know dealing with the marriage breakdown handling the kids there was a lot happening at once but i look back at that time and yeah it was a great cloud but i believe that window of time actually made me so strong right yeah so go back to your credit uh is uh yeah i mean it wasn't recognized i apologize for the roundabout answer no that's good it's good i like roundabout answers um did you uh so so what year was it that you moved back again uh, it was uh no 2000 it was uh september 1st of 2016 2016 so you had a couple of years there to rebuild move into the real estate space in 2018 right um so starting from scratch basically you got it and what did you come into the game with at that point you had your established credit you had uh, probably some savings from work yep what were you bringing to the table to get the ball rolling here you know what? The first thing I said after when I did, made that decision that we're getting into real estate and Zara said to me, well, how are we going to do this? And and forget about the monetary standpoint because, you know, we're back through against the wall. But how was I going to do this? And I said, I got to put a team together. And this was without reading anything, podcasts. It was just in my head. I just always believe you got to surround yourself with with amazing people, great people. It's all about the team approach. Mm-hmm. And you have to have the right people sitting in the bus. So yeah, sitting in the right seat in the bus, that is. So I said, I need to find an agent. I need to find, I need to talk to my accountant. I need to talk to my lawyer, my, my, my divorce lawyer, my family lawyer, so mm. to speak, what I can do, what I can't do. Um, had to work with a mortgage person. So I started aligning all these things up and, and that's when it came where I could actually buy a home. Yeah. And I ended up doing that. Uh, and uh, so when I made the decision, it was late August, 2018. Closed on a home on October 30th. That was the first one of 2018. And you were renting your primary residence? Um, actually, no. I was living, I'm living with Zara who owns okay. her home. Okay. Yep. yep. So, uh, and uh, so did that. And uh, yeah, the rest was history. It was just that first domino to fall. Okay. So the first one you came in there, uh, you were a full 20% down on that one? Actually, that's unique um, because I didn't own a home. Okay, so that one was uh, structured as our, our first time home or a f- not first time home buyer, but uh, as your home principal residence, you can do uh, 95% loan to value. Right. But I regret doing that now because the CMHC fee, it's basically burning money. So it would be actually a better option just to put the 20 points down, I believe. Oh, interesting perspective. I might have to debate you here. Yeah. Um, okay. My stance on this is so mortgage insurance, our American friends, you can relate. You have, a, you have a form of mortgage insurance as well. So basically for those who aren't familiar, uh, CMHC mortgage insurance basically, uh, adds to your mortgage amount and it allows you to put down less than 20%. So in Canada, we can do on a, on a home or a secondary home, we can do 5% down. Uh, it comes at a price. It's like 4% of the mortgage, uh, they add on top. And when they add that 4% on top, it obviously, uh, you know, you have to look at what's that cost, right? On a hundred grand house, I like to use a hundred grand, that's easy. Um, you know, 4% on your your $95,000 mortgage is gonna work out to be, you know, some somewhere around four grand or just under. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What did that, pro- you know, how long does it take to recoup that, right? You say it's burning money, but what if you had to wait four years to save the down payment? Sure. 
And then that whole time, you have a $100,000 house that's going up to $102,000, then $104,000. So every year it's going up and there's a payback on that. And I would would argue that in a lot of cases in our market, the payback is under a year. Yeah, if you look at it from that perspective and and you're coming more as a very seasoned uh, investor, that makes perfect sense. I look at it more as... You know, I look at it from a point of view, whereas if I were to go burr that home, I'm not, I, It's it just gets a little more complicated because I only yes. got that 5% in and how do I, because I stopped to leave 20 points in. So that takes away from the money in my pocket to move on to the next project. So in, I, indeed, yeah. I see that from that perspective. Um, but um, anyways, it was an opportunity and it got me in the game. So hey, you know what? It's the cost of doing business. I look at it that, you know, interest, fees, lawyer fees, they're all cost of doing business. I yeah. think at the end of the day, it's very key that we're not emotional about the about the costs. We just look at them objectively and say, is this deal profitable? Is it not? Exactly. Like I see these uh, wholesale deals come into my inbox all the time where it's like, this property is literally a hundred grand under value, but I have to look at, well, am I letting an opportunity go by not buying it? Yes. But is it an opportunity that makes sense to me right now for what I want to do? Or is it going to stop me from doing something else? And, uh, you know, you, all, you always have to weigh these things objectively and say, ah, crap, like there's like $100,000 of free equity there, sure. but it might not be the right deal for of right course. now. Of yeah. course. Yeah. Um, why don't you tell me about 7-2? So Mark's got a very cool business card, which looks like an actual playing card, it says 7-2 um, on it. So those are, you got seven of spades and, and two of hearts. Yeah. Why don't you explain that? I was always raised uh, by my parents just to always give back. And, uh, and, you know, I come from very humble beginnings myself. Typical story of immigrants move into the country. My parents are from East Africa, came with, you know, basically what they had, a couple of suitcases, and really had to hustle hard um, just to just to keep up. And this is, you know, I think, think back at some of the mortgage rates they had in, in the early 80s. I mean, how did we manage? You know, I think some of the interest rates were, what, 18%? Is that, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. So, um, so look back at that. And you know what? I just looked at how my parents, uh, you know, what they did for myself and I have a brother as well and just how they looked at life. Um, and then I looked at my situation, what I was going through, because I've been blessed. I mean, I had a great education, got into medical sales, it's medical devices. I've had a great career, but uh, again, I got kicked in the teeth. And uh, and I always believe in that in life, it's it's you can't control the, the, hand, the hand you're dealt with, the cards you're dealt with, but you can control how you're going to play that hand. Mm-hmm. So where the 7-2 came from is when I lived in Chicago, um, when I lived in Chicago, um, or Naperville, that is, we, our neighborhood, or the guys would get together and play poker. And they came up with a rule, and it was called the 7-2 rule. And the 7-2 was, if you win a hand on a 7-2, everybody had to do a shot. And what it was, was a 7-2 is like the worst hand in poker. I mean, usually you fold it. But in life, you get... You, you pull a 7-2, you can't fold because there's nothing else left. So you got to play it. And fortunately, with the 7-2, it became more of an analogy or parallel or symbol for me saying, hey, I'm going to take this card and I'm going to get a full house here. I'm going to do something here and, and win that pot. And that's what it came down to. I started playing that 7-2. And 7-2, and there was many times in, in my in my last three years where I could have folded. And the collateral damage would have been devastating. But I didn't. I fought back. I fought back. fought back. And if it wasn't for playing the 7-2 as much as I did... Um, I wouldn't be where I am sitting in front of you today. Right. You know, so would I play a 7-2 all the time? No, you just need to know when to play the cards. Uh, and uh, and that's what I've done. So that's where the significance comes from the 7-2 is that, you know, if you're dealt a blow in life, it's how you react and respond to that. Um, 
I think there's a lot of great podcasts, a lot of great YouTube material, great content out there, and it's really focused on getting in the real estate game. There's a lot of great individuals I look up to who got into the game very early. I myself am getting in the game later. And, you know, most people say the biggest regret in real estate is not getting into it sooner. My thing is, is hey, you know what? It, it's not about getting it into it sooner. It's about the right time for you. And I want to inspire people. I want to help people saying, hey, you've dealt, been, um, you know, dealt a bad hand. I want to help you. I want to inspire you saying it is possible. So when we created this, when I, we, my, uh, my wife, my partner, Zara, and I started thinking about this, and she was trying to understand this, since that moment, uh, you know, we've had, I mean, it's, amaz- it's amazing what we've amassed in such a short period of time. And I get texts and uh, uh, Facebook messages, Instagram messages on a day-to-day basis where people are telling me how much I love what I'm putting out. So that just inspires me even further. Okay. So it's, so your goals are really oriented around how it can inspire others around you? That's what it comes down to is playing that. And it's, it's, it's catchy. You know, it's a good brand as well. Um, but uh, and that's whole, where the whole 7-2 comes from, Andrew. It's, uh, it's you know, play the, play the hand that you've been dealt you know, motivation and, and, and action taking are something I, I'm very interested in, like what drives people to take action. Sure. One thing that I notice is that, uh, you know, the whole Gary V spiel that he gives about how people who are immigrants say they don't take anything for granted. Like they, they hustle, they work because they know what it's like to have nothing. Right. Right. And I'm, I'm guessing at one point in your life, you knew that feeling, you knew what it was like to have, have severe lack. And, and I, I know that too. And that almost creates like this fear inside of us to like, do more right. to, to do better and and i've had this thing inside of me that i could just never let go it's just like the financial struggle that our family had my family had when i was growing up and it's not like we were like the worst off or anything sure. um, but my parents had five kids and you know they all wanted to go to university and and uh you know it, it created stress for them sure. and i was just like i don't want to live like that I, I saw the stress it created for my dad and sure. stuff i'm like yeah. why why do people do this to themselves absolutely and i was just like well i'm gonna go to school i'm gonna i'll become like a phd if that'll do it and then i realized sure. that, that that probably isn't the right way yeah. um you know so then i went to business school and and the hustle um you know sometimes i do get comfortable mm-hmm. and i need to, i need a little reminder of that you know what like things you know things are never done like mm-hmm. you're never done you got to keep you got to keep pushing right. and uh, i don't know like do you see that there do you see that there's a way to like reach because i like you know friends around me that just aren't interested in real estate they're like oh, i'm not interested in real estate i'm like do you think everybody who invests in real estate is keenly interested in real estate uh, are you interested in every stock that you own right. well maybe maybe not i don't know yeah. uh but you understand that it's a tool to get where you want it, it's it's a tool for success and I think everybody has a different measuring stick for what is success. Mm-hmm. Um, and for me, it was leveraging the power of real estate to earn income, um, but more so is more tangible. Like I could put my finger on it, I can control it. Yeah. And I think that's what it comes down to. It comes down to that control aspect. I really believe by getting into the real estate game, I'm in control of my own destiny. I can't control what the markets are going to do and interest rates and so forth. That's, that's beyond me. But what I can do is control when I want to get into the game. When I want to pull out from the game, yeah. if I want to make a lateral move, a vertical mm-hmm. move. And that's the beauty about when you become your own boss. There are some people out there that just don't don't see the value in it, right? And that's yeah. I feel I feel for them because I want to actually help inspire them to take yeah. action because I personally feel like having a good job 
is the most dangerous position you could ever be in. Absolutely. 100%. 100%. I mean, that's that's scary. the thing. I mean, it's very scary. You know what? Uh, you could be loyal as loyal as you want for any any company, your job and so forth. At the end of the day, it's about numbers. Yeah. You as are soon as they're not profitable, you're laid off. Absolutely. That's the way that goes. A- absolutely. And you know what? As much as many people will say, okay, you know, families care or companies care and that kind of stuff. No, it's the bottom line. Sure. It's either they have to, you know, at the end of the day, we're lining, you know, the company's pocketbooks. But if we're not doing it, then we don't serve that purpose anymore. Yeah. Well, then they can care like human beings. I think it's in our nature. We do care. But at the end of the day, you don't run a business that's losing money. And and uh you know our canada pension plan you know that doesn't yeah. that doesn't work and you know you know the, the american plan is is even more so challenged yeah. uh to retire yeah. uh down there if you don't have a, a good base sure. it is extremely difficult and i just i, I sometimes I, part of me fears for for uh people i know that you know they're just content with their jobs and and running running along and not, not seeing the bigger picture whereas for me i'm maybe cursed or blessed with only looking at the big picture like the yeah. micro doesn't really matter to me nearly as much as seeing um seeing where i'm going overall i agree i agree and that's and that's what it is is you're you're you know you're planting those seeds for the future you're in yeah. control of that you can control how many seeds you want to plant how you're going to yeah. harvest them how, how much you're going to water them can't do that with the drop can't do it yeah your can't real estate it. can't lay you off though i mean they- <laughs> it can't exactly exactly it yeah. can't and uh and it's it's just you know the way I look at it is, again, it's about being in control. And there's nothing more satisfying than that. Mm-hmm. Nothing more satisfying than that. It's like making a, cooking a dish and you're eating yourself. You're like, I did this. Yeah, I'm in control. Yeah, and that's been a big for me. I think, I think that I've been fortunate in that I've actually had jobs that I really didn't like, mm-hmm. really didn't like. Yeah. And it made me realize that I don't like being not in control of what I do sure, on a daily. Sure, of course. Right? So, of course. Maybe, yeah, I don't know where I'm going with all this. It's just like, I really would like to, you know, you talk about inspiring people. Like I can think of so many people I'd love to inspire and like, and help you. You can't force anybody to do anything they don't want to do. Absolutely. But, uh, but imagine, I think that that's where the whole leading by example goes well. And I I love what you're doing because you went from zero to how many properties you got now? Um, Okay. So we have four right now. And then I have an interesting VTB that I'm starting up uh very interesting vtp and that's happening january 6th closes on that so so you're buying another one and the seller is giving you financing yeah 12 months six percent nice 100 percent financing uh, it's uh basically all i'm doing is i'm putting down uh, my 10 points 10 points okay 10 points uh and i gotta pay a wholesale fee but that's the cost of doing business i don't have time to go and knock on doors or some great people with that so i'm doing that but i've run the numbers and the numbers are pretty sick so um and it, that's what it comes down to it comes down to the numbers right so i have that and then i have another interesting strategy because you know when we we there's that uh, myth out there, or you know, how many mortgages someone can get, and then they get capped off, and they do get capped off. You can't get capped off on the number of properties you can rent as a tenant. Okay. Yeah. So I am uh, actually next week. I have secured a Airbnb re-rental. Very cool. We'll have to. We'll have yeah. To talk about so that. I'm very excited about that. Did you hear uh, Sammy Khan on this show? Uh, no. I you know where I heard about. I may have actually because something did. I heard about it, but I didn't really understand the Airbnb model. And then uh, Samuel Young, Adam Martin, uh, Matt McKeever, they came up with their mastery program. And so I said, hey, you know what? It's 397 US. You know, it's education. They had a, 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 you know, a program. And so I ended up purchasing that for $397 US. And I said, this is gold. Because if I don't have 
the capital. Yeah. All I got to do is figure out where I'm going to get the furnishings from and the first and last month's rent. Yeah. And then find a landlord that wants to do this. And I can tell you 99% of landlords, they don't want to be dealing with land and tenant board. They don't want to be dealing with the, the, the horrible tenant stories. Yeah. So I, I really believe there's a, a huge win-win for landlords that don't want to do the Airbnb themselves. Yeah. They, they've had bad experiences with the, you know, the land and tenant board. Yeah. And you have another landlord that comes in that's gonna, that understands the game and they want to take care of the place. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, you're in sales, right? So you got a little edge there. I'm a sales guy. Yeah. Good talker. Um, Yeah. So what I wanted to get out there is it was about a year or so you've been in the game now. Yeah. About a year and you've done four properties. You're you're closing on a fifth and you've also uh, you've also got re-rental strategies. So and plus you're working a full time job. Plus working and I did two uh, burst. All my long term holds are burst strategy. So I was able to refinance on two of them. Okay. so, yeah, let's let's dig into a couple of them and uh just if you have one that you wanted to run over sure. the numbers this was of. uh this was the 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 grand slam of them uh it's it's almost scary because this was the first one i did and i had to remind myself it's, it's not going to be like this all the time um so this was a unique situation where my agent uh, approached me and uh and said you know i got a i got a deal here um and 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 basically what's going on is there's a a couple that they're in distress their marriage distress um and they still want the the wife still wants to live in that house because the kids go to the school in the area so they're willing to cut you a deal on the purchase of the home if you're willing to cut a deal on the on the rent okay so interesting and i said sure you know what i want to i want to help people i'm not you know just i'm thinking about the long game so you're renting the house back to them or that's how it started that's right okay and uh, uh, possibly for a rent to own so i said okay. okay interesting strategy better way the best way of learning is actually doing it so, uh, I know you're the numbers guy. So, you know, the first thing I did, we negotiated a price. Price was 234.9. Okay, okay. So, we'll call it 235. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So, I had to come up with 20 points, right? So, and so the 20 points uh, for the down payment. Okay. Then we won't I, get into that yet. Well, sure. let's, so, what, what was your renovation or what did you have to do to it from there? Uh, really, not much. I think I paid, put in... And I'm going to overestimate this $10,000 for renovations. So just a light rent out some paint, maybe touch yep. ups, touch ups, modernize, put a dishwasher, uh, you know, change the flooring in some areas. Okay. So that probably took you a couple of weeks. All done. Yeah. So much. 10 grand, including carrying costs. That's a safe bet. Uh, carrying costs was interesting. Um, the way the carrying costs worked uh, is I've been fortunate, I guess it must be my salesmanship, but I closed on this property on March 31st. The people, they were moving out because it gets a little bit more interesting, but uh, they were going to be moving out because they ended up not re- wanting to rent anymore. Okay, so they so changed their mind. They yeah. changed their mind. So this is where like the, the big asterisk happens because I think the plan was we were going to rent it to them for about $1,500. Mm-hmm. Market rent in the area was higher. Okay, it was a raised bungalow. I found out a month before we were closing that they didn't want to you know, rent it out anymore. So as soon as we closed or a week before closing, I basically put it on a marketplace and said, property yeah. coming. No pictures because I'm not allowed to. Didn't want to get sued. Didn't want to have any issues. So I just put okay. a, almost like a picture of a home blanked out saying, this is the specs on the house. You know, it has three bedrooms, close to schools and did my whole thing. Someone contacted me. There's a number of people that contacted me. This particular individual wanted, met with me as they were moving out from their home. <laughs> As the previous owners. Previous owners, out. yeah, exactly. So we asked permission to go in for a couple of minutes. We went in, did a quick tour, gave me the last month's rent as a deposit. Nice. What'd you get a rent for? 
1800. 1800. So was there any vacancy like between when you closed on it and actually had it rented? Uh, six days. Six days. Okay. So, so 10 grand would include your carrying costs. Yeah. <laughs> so, so your, your purchase and renovation, all that, your, your, um, 245,000 about mm-hmm. into that. Yeah. And did you go back and get it reappraised right away? I did not actually. I okay. wanted to make sure we had it rented. And this is where it's so important having your, your power team. So, I value a coach, so I have a coach right now, but also my, I mean, I'm not sure how much you know about football, but the most important position in football after the quarterback is your, is going to be your left tackle. The left tackle, and a lot of people don't see this, they're the highest paid in the NFL as well, um, because they protect the quarterback's blind spot. So that's mm-hmm. my mortgage specialist. So I've been very lucky to have an amazing mortgage specialist. And she always tells me to either, you know, step on it or take a foot off the pedal and, and working the numbers. So okay. she advised, let's not do anything yet. Let's just let it sizzle for a bit and, and then we'll get back to it. So ended up having, uh, what, five months of being tenanted. And that's when I decided to get it refinanced or reappraised. Okay, so then the new appraiser would have seen what you paid, but you could say, hey, I did a little reno's, made it look Absolutely. nicer, and obviously I got it for a deal. I, I've noticed some challenges when you when you get to appraisers and they see that it just sold. They're like, oh, but it just sold. Yeah. So how did that go for you? Uh, you know, it wasn't that bad. You know what? Uh, again, I think a lot of it was because the price I bought it at and the, how quickly the appreciation happened in that area. Okay. I'm not sure if you want to know the final number, but it was it was, it was was yeah incredible what was your new appraisal 330 so you got a 330 so new new appraised value was 330 a combination of buying at the right time and also buying under market on a private sale yeah so new appraised value is 330 so you got an 80 percent mortgage yeah okay so so two hundred sixty four thousand dollars is your new mortgage so your net takeout you you uh, had nothing invested in this deal you were 264,000 minus the 245 you had in well, you know, I put my, yeah, I guess I took my current mortgage or whatever it was. I had how much, what the mortgage I had left in it. So the mortgage I had left on it was 187000 No, I'm saying, so you would have had, so to purchase and acquire the property, you were $245,000 in. I never really look at the mortgage pre-Burr okay. because you know what, your Burr is going to affect all that and it'll just confuse things. So yeah. to simplify things, if we just look at the mortgage after you, sure. you go ahead and you do that, that reno refinance part. Yeah. So the refinance gives you a $330,000 value. That's a mortgage of 264000 Right. But your purchase and reno cost was only two hundred forty-five. Yeah. So you're actually, uh, you're, you're not only getting everything you put down as a down payment back, but you're also getting another nineteen grand, which you could put into something else, of course, or pay out the line of credit that you maybe borrowed on to to buy the property, or exactly. however you financed it. Exactly. So there's so many options there. It's so many great options. Yeah. And and for me, you know, I, it's all about the numbers. And mm. I had uh, my uh, my legal bills, so I said, here we go. Yeah. So that, that gives you a, a, you know, you had an opportunity to to respond to what was going on in your life. You created value, and now you have, you know, you had money to pay for for uh, bills coming in. So that's great. Absolutely. So again, it just goes back to the power of real estate. You, you said fifty doors. Oh, I don't want to do that anymore. And I want to make a comment on that because uh, a good friend of mine who is an extremely impressive real estate investor. Uh, said something to me and it's a great quote and i'm going to use it forever now um so anyways he says whatever you owe you'll own in real estate which is such a smart thing he's like i he's like i don't really care about cash flow anymore he's already got lots of cash flow from his properties he's like now i just want to get my my name onto as much real estate as i can and find a way to own it you know do these creative renos because in 30 years none of that's going to matter like you know if, if you've got 20 million in real estate now on 25 year mortgages on average sure. 25 years down the road that's 20 million dollars in net worth that's incredible 
as of 2020 numbers or yeah by the time this comes out 2020 numbers right. um which is yeah like you said incredible and i i like to go back to my example the one property millionaire right one property makes you a millionaire in 30 years if you buy at the right price so say you buy a five hundred thousand dollar property figure three percent four percent appreciation per year you can work that out uh then 30 years of pay down 30 years later that one that fifty thousand here in canada it's at least worth a million absolutely you're a millionaire at retirement how many people will be millionaires at retirement how many so that's to me like i, I think you know, i love cash flow yeah. and it's always going to be where my goal starts yeah, yeah. but i want to get into properties and i see mm-hmm. that it's just a huge value if you can use this burr model and find a way to just get in and get in and get in and stay in that's the key. Don't do anything stupid like sell. Exactly. <laughs> Keep it. Buy and hold. It, I shouldn't say that because I, I will sell some properties too. I've flipped some properties, but it was part of an income strategy. So, you know, you everyone puts food on the table in a certain way. Yeah. You, you do it through sales and, yeah. and you know, that. so that's up to each individual, but finding a way to stay in is of critical. Course. Well, that's it. So, and I think what what, what allowed me to sort of refocus, because I needed that refocus because I didn't want to over leverage myself not understanding the whole real estate model and i'm still learning on a day-to-day basis is yeah maybe it was a pride thing saying i want to hit 50 houses by the time i'm 50 years old but understanding it understanding it and um and doing what i'm doing now is allowing me to possibly scale that tenfold um the way i'm going right now so maybe it's not going to be 50 so it's all about the numbers at the end of the day Okay, so, so you're saying you might not go 50 properties if you can create cash flow otherwise. Well, it, it, it's going to depend on the market. So right now in London, that's where my investments are. It's they're cash flowing. Um, you know, if I were to be in, if we saw the appreciation or numbers how they are in Toronto, that's going to be a whole other story and a whole other game. Might not have cash flow. There you go. So then you got to revisit that that strategy. So what are the mix of properties you have right now? The four. Okay, so I have uh, three of them are uh, single family homes. Okay. And the other one is has a secondary dwelling in the basement. So Okay, and you haven't you didn't add that? That was already there? Uh it was there, but it wasn't done right. Um So you legalized it? Uh define legalized. <laughs> you you made it compliant with fire code then, I'm guessing. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So we did that. Um and uh opened up completely. It was actually a uh, a bachelor pad. We actually opened it up, found some brick, which just made it so beautiful. And it's a one bedroom. Beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, I love uh, I love the creation element to yeah. it. I miss that. I haven't done I haven't done one of those projects in a while. Yeah. Um, you know where you just you really get to blank canvas the whole thing and and start fresh and come up with all these ideas. That's my absolute favorite part of the process. Exactly. Other than getting paid, paid getting paid is pretty cool too. too. Yeah, <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's a really good part too. Yeah, but I mean, exactly. everyone has a creative muscle. You know, as you can see from my little jam uh, jam studio here, that uh, you know music is a big part. You know, being creative that way. Absolutely. Being creative with real estate too. Absolutely. And my contractor laughs at me because he goes, yeah, I'm worried because every time Mark comes here, he wants to tear down a wall. It's because he wants to see what's behind that wall now. You you open that wall, especially these older homes, you're opening up a whole other mess. So we have to be strategic because sometimes it's best not to know what's behind some walls. (laughs) Well, opening up a wall is a can of worms for a number of reasons. You know, sometimes, sometimes, especially with uh, with things like wiring and stuff, that can be done with Absolutely. holes. You can just make make sure. individual holes, right? Like the, uh, an electrician can go through a house with a with a four inch hole saw and just make holes, and they can actually, you know, put backing on them and, and close in your holes. And okay. you could rewire a whole house that way. Sure, a little more expensive, sure. but I mean, like you said, once you open up a wall, technically according to permit, now you need to f- properly insulate vapor barrier that wall. Uh, when if it already existed, there's no requirement to do right. that. So right. There's that. 
Um, how how deep are you going? Are these permitted projects that you're doing, or are they just cosmetic renovations? The cosmetic. cosmetic. I don't want to deal with structural at all. Yeah, so you don't want to get in. So when you're removing walls, sometimes you might find yourself there. So that you got to watch out for that. Yeah. Um, of course, it's probably best if people work. If you're not sure, work with somebody that does know. Exactly. And uh, who did you work with? Like, who gave you the confidence to to go in at this level? Because a lot of people, myself included, when I got started, yeah. I wouldn't say I bought stuff that that put me out of the game, but I bought, I bought stuff that slowed me down. Like I didn't have a great strategy. I'm like, I need to buy, but I just thought I'll buy, you know what I mean? Um, and then I found out that I ran out of money. Yeah. <laughs> so who gave you the confidence? What was your strategy? How did you know that you'd be able to, to continue to reuse this model? You know what? It just the people around me, it was the power team. Uh, it was, uh, having, uh, my partner as well, uh, Zara, it just always there. Just, mm-hmm. she's always putting me in check. Um, and, uh, but just having that team and just, it was pace. It's a marathon. It's not a sprint. Um, and I get reminded that of that all the time. I mean, I could try to sprint a marathon, but I will <laughs> fail miserably. Yeah. I never want to run again, but, uh, so, and it, it just, that, and I think it was maybe just the way I was brought up is like, you just, it's more of an instinct, you know, when a put on, you know, step on the gas and then pull back, step on the gas, pull back. Even for this going with this VTB opportunity, you know, I could have said, okay, we got, you know, some money back on these, on these refis and let's go. But I said, Hey, you know what? I'm trying to do this in such a way that I don't have to pull another mortgage. I have one year I can do this, just finding different ways of being creative. Yeah. And uh, even this, and, and I'm not sure if this is a good thing or bad thing, but I'm a doer. So if I see an opportunity, if it makes sense, I'll just do it. Um, and it doesn't take me a lot to think about it. Uh, so when I hear, when I hear about analysis paralysis, I'm, I'll read something and I'll go do it. (laughs) So there's some danger in that too. That's, that's, you know, being fresh in the game. That's kind of an advantage that you have. That's how I was when I started, I read in a book, I'm like, okay, we got to get out there this week and do this. (laughs) Absolutely. And I'm finding now that I overthink things. Now you're a little slower at things, right? Slower things. And that's where I said, I need to hire a coach. Sorry, go ahead. No, no, no problem. Uh, I, I don't know if it's a bad thing, but I, I do notice it too. I was actually just going through like my 2016 and my 2017 and uh, 15, like how much I did, how many properties I bought in those years, like between companies and personal and and uh, how much I had going on. I, I almost couldn't believe it. I'm like, holy crap, I, I did this? <laughs> I was doing all this stuff. So um, I, I definitely take a little bit of a slower, more methodical pro- approach, but you know, I think maybe I need to kick in the butt too, uh, because there's always more I could be doing. And, um, you know, that's why it's great. Like you said, getting around people who are just doing tons of it. That's why I host the podcast. Cause yeah. I get to get around people who sure. are doing it yeah. and it's, uh, it definitely, um, helps things. So just wanted to clarify a couple of things. Uh, you mentioned VTB. So for those who aren't familiar with a VTB, that's a vendor take back mortgage. And that's when the seller maybe doesn't have a mortgage on their house that they're selling. And you can actually negotiate with them that they'll hold financing. So they still give you title and deed to the property, but they hold a mortgage and it's registered. So instead of it being TD Bank on, on title as the mortgagee, uh, it, would be, it would be that person. And uh, you would make payments. You can negotiate it, write it right in the contract that they're going to give it to you. And uh, hey, that does a heck of a lot. That's, uh, that's a pretty cool opportunity because for people who can't get mortgages, like, you know, might be new to Canada and can't qualify on an investment property, there's like a wide open opportunity there. So uh, something worth knowing about uh, and try negotiating that into a deal. Like if, if you can find out if the person has a mortgage on their property, you might be able to, to throw that in. So that's something you did, Mark. And I think I know the deal you did because I think I saw that come across my email too. Uh, and you took action. So, so congratulations. That's awesome. 
Uh, you were working with a wholesaler. That's right. So can you tell me a little bit about that? Because I'm sure some people listening aren't even familiar with that. Some people are, but have never done it. How was it working with them? What happened? What was the deal like? Absolutely. So the wholesaler, I mean, you know, um, I I have to comment on this. I just have to. Uh, Matt McKeever and their group. I mean, it's it's one big power brand, what they're doing out there. They're throwing a lot of content out and so forth. And so... And, and good for them. Um, so it, it came across my channel and saw this opportunity. Um, and just something said, I, I got just going to check this out. This is a VTB vendor take back 12 months, 6%, but I want to keep my legs moving. And I'm uh, my hockey coach used to say this all the time. I mean, one, take the shot on that. You, what's worse that's going to happen. And number two is, uh, you know, keep your legs moving because the, the puck will find you. The puck will find you. If you stand still, the puck's not going to find you. You love the sports analogy. So. Oh, yeah. I love sports. I love my sports. So, yeah. um, and um, so this opportunity came up. And so I it came across the, the, you know, social media. And then I wasn't sure about it. Talked to a few people. And there was uh, another fellow investor named uh, James Fernandez. And he's just awesome as well. He's out in London. Threw it by him. And he said, yeah, you got to check this out. You got to check this out. So I needed that nudge because I wasn't really sure. And uh, there was an Onria uh, meeting, and uh, that evening, it was late at night, actually, we went to go see the property. And I just said, something feels right about this. Um, I ran the numbers quite a bit, and fortunately, there was nothing structural with the place. Uh, and uh, we said, let's, let's just do it. And by the next day, it was signed up. Rough numbers on that one. What's the purchase price on that one? So if you take purchase price, including the wholesale fee, uh, 200000 200000 even? Okay. Yeah uh running through the numbers and with a fudge factor of uh you know uh, of surprise money so to speak i'm uh, putting in around sixty thousand dollars for the renovations so we'll say so we'll say you'll hypothetically be in around 260 at that point do you have any sort of notion of what you might be worth on the market yes so i running the numbers and that's on based on today's markets uh today's numbers uh will be about 285 290 for after repair value Okay. So you'll have a little, you'll have forced maybe $30,000 of sweat equity there. You got it. Okay. You got it. And uh, working with my coach, come up with some great ideas of how this could be run and to be a very, uh, you know, fruitful investment. So it'd be a single family? Uh, Thinking student rental, actually. Student rental. Okay. Fanshawe College? Fanshawe College. Okay. Yeah. It's about a four minute drive to Fanshawe College. And what do you figure? So it's a five bed? five bed five bed what do you figure you can get on uh rent gross rent across the five bedrooms uh, gross rent you know it all depends what my fellow investors are doing if they push up the rent that helps me so but i'm thinking about uh based on what i'm seeing the space the location is uh looking at about uh i'm, I'm 650 i'd feel comfortable 650 wow 650. okay see fanshawe's gone way up i remember days people were getting like 450 a bedroom yeah. in fanshawe so 650 inclusive yeah. on a 12-month lease 12 month lease. You're making me want to buy Fanshawe rentals. If you're doing 650, okay, now we're going to have to crunch some numbers. Yeah. I wasn't expecting to, but we're going to. Yeah. Uh, so 650 a bedroom equals that times. Uh, and remember, I aim high. So five beds. So that's 3250. Uh, people who have followed this podcast for a while will, will have heard of the 1% rule. So that's what like a, like a gold standard, which is hard to get very hard to find mm-hmm. but uh, it's where you try and get one percent uh your your rent is equal to one percent of your purchase price so monthly rent is thirty two fifty on this right. if 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 you hit where you want to be and you're saying you'll be in for 260 yeah so you'll be over one percent rule right which means yeah that's a that's a slam dunk if right. you can make that happen right. uh as far as cash flow goes i'm gonna just go off of experience here and say that if you're pulling that you're probably going to be cash flowing almost a thousand bucks correct 
Have you crunched those numbers and figured that? Yeah. Maybe even a bit more? Just a bit more, yeah. Just a little, uh, what numbers I pulled up? 1,200, 1,100, something like that. I can't oh, remember. Oh, wow. That's good for one property? Yeah. So do you have a cash flow goal that you're you're trying to hit? You know what? As long as my cash flow goal, I... I I tend to set things in such a way, Andrew, that my when I'm doing my cash flow goals, I factor in a couple of things. So I push up my rents quite high. And mm-hmm. I do that one is, and I've, I sound like a broker record, but I do this. It's the easiest way to vet your tenants. Oh, push yeah. our rent high. Push your rent high. You, you, if you've listened to my podcast, you know that's me too. There you go. Yeah. I wonder where I got that from. Yeah. <laughs> so brilliant. It's brilliant because it's the easiest way to vet your uh, your tenants without step you know upsetting anyone or leaning on discrimination so forth that's the rent i want that's it um number two is what it does is um it the banks are happy when i do my refi they see that income coming oh yeah yeah very happy number three is when i do my burr strategy that's gonna my burr my refinance is gonna cut into that cash flow so i'm still have that 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 space right so what i my goal is to always have a property that's cash flowing about 350 dollars mm-hmm. a month that's really my goal and after that's after every uh, that's after the burr and everything like that but even if you burr this one i think you'd still be up up around that thousand mark yeah. I, w- I was just figuring um even if you mortgage 80 percent of 300 and 300 000, if it's worth that you're still going to be in a fantastic position absolutely now you're going to have some money into the deal but but your return on investment is probably going to make it worth it that's yeah, exactly looking at the cash on cash return for sure and um, if I'm not mistaken, uh, that one is in the kind of Western Fair district, or am I thinking of a different one? Uh, no, this one is actually on the corner of, uh, not sure how much, yeah, of course, you know London, of course, but this is off uh, Florence and Highbury. Okay. Um, I already own two other homes on Florence, and I own another one on King Street. Which is, you know, that's kind of a great area to target, because, I mean, for me, for the longest time, like, that would be the last area I would ever invest. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but those are where the best opportunities are. Absolutely. I have one, one of the properties on Florence is cash flowing uh, about seven twenty a month. Okay. And that's the upper lower. And then the other one is cash flowing another, I think, six fifty. Yeah. And then I didn't have another one on King Street, which is just facing the uh, the Kellogg or Kellogg Lane or um, the factory. And I'm, I just did a uh, reappraisal on that. And um, that's a whole other thing with numbers. But that one came up very well. I just love the area. It's lots of gentrification. Um, oh yeah it's changing right it's an area in transition it's it's a perfect area absolutely and what i'm seeing as well andrew is that the investment going into that kellogg building in that those old factories is um it's phenomenal so i mean perfect for airbnb there's great strategies there so anyways what are they doing uh with that factory is it gonna remain a factory (sighs) so you got the factory which is like that amusement park and are growing into that now oh, right? they turned it into an amusement park oh, yeah so that, <laughs> i think i heard that okay I just, so I i'm sorry you yeah. know what i thought everybody who knows london knows about the factory but I, I've, actually, I've heard that i just i don't go yeah. down there so so what they actually did was they've actually taken a factor uh the kellogg factory and they've called it the factory there's like zip lines they got like arcades laser tag vr Amazing. and all that kind of stuff they got a whole bar and uh food scene in there where people can just go there and eat so it's like a shopping mall with an amusement park well the yeah. shopping mall apparently is coming they're gonna so they got pictures renditions of some drawings i saw there then what they've done as well andrew is they actually have a brewery there as well they the children's uh museum is actually moving into that building amazing the canadian medical museum yeah is moving into that building carfax is actually moving to headquarters there so this is this is major change. This used to be sort of industrial uh, breakfast cereal manufacturing, and uh, and now it's turning into a, a destination for people to go to because there's tons of parking down there. 
it's uh, it's got great access and this is an area that used to be riddled with drugs and and uh, all kinds of problems and which still is it but... still is uh, but lesser so and i see that in hamilton too and and wherever you're listening to this podcast from you're you probably know an area just like that um there is possibility for these areas to change especially in areas where where housing prices are, are going up and up and people are trying to find something affordable mm-hmm. the the demographic in those areas improves mm-hmm. And it forces a lot of the people who are into the drugs and, and stuff out. There's one thing that I try and avoid, and that's just being close to something that's never going to move. Like if you're right next to an actual factory with giant smokestacks or, you know, the Hamilton Harbor uh, on the uh, the east end where it's just I just think it's more of a 50 year horizon before any of that stuff's gone. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I try and stay out of line of sight. Right. But I mean, as long as I'm out of line of sight, I'm sort of comfortable with it. Right. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And your thing as well is looking at the area, looking at the potential for the future. So the BRTs, you know, they're talking about the BRT in London. What's BRT? Um, so your rapid transit okay, s- yeah. system. They, they, the they used to call it LRT? LRT, now the BRT, you know. Uh, and um, so apparently that's supposed to be on Dundas and it's supposed to go straight up to Fanshawe. So um, those homes are basically block off of that. Yeah. So you could you could experience the most ridiculous growth. Uh, those things are hard hard to know, right? There's, you still know. Yeah. You never know. They, at one point, they were talking about an underground line uh, under Richmond Street. And I'm just like, I don't see that ever happening. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I try and be very wary of those kind of announcements. Like it might happen, but it might not. So you, you really want to stay focused on the fundamentals of what's there and, and where you can find a cash flow. And I'm very conservative on the appreciation side. I'm just yeah. saying three points. That's it. But yeah, even if you only got inflation even if that's all you got you're borrowing the bank's money so the money's practically free because your money's coming in around inflation or a little bit above so it's very cheap money your mortgage is paying down and your tenants making sure that you still cash flow as long as you can keep doing it keep growing and not pull all your hair out because of managing these rentals you could find yourself in a pretty good position in a few years absolutely absolutely um, and you know, it's just uh, finding a lot of like young professionals that want to be in that area because they want to be in walking distance from the cool bakeries and the factory and a microbrewery. Yeah. It, oh, it's fantastic. That sounds great. Kind of, I mean, I'm going to now start looking a little bit more, uh, openly in that area too. Um, I, I recently bought one closer to the East end, where is a neighborhood that I wouldn't have normally picked, but I, you know, I just see the East end of London changing. I know of what's course. happening. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's a uh, and the access is so good there. Like you're so close to the 401, you're so close to major transit. Absolutely, it just had a people problem. Not, it's not a it's not a the the chronic versus acute problem. It's not a chronic problem that can't be fixed. Mm-hmm. It, it's it can definitely be. We well, got two major colleges there. I mean, when yeah. you got a major university, you got the Fanshawe College, um, and these these institutes are growing at such yeah. a rapid pace. Um, it's it's bringing in a lot of uh, you know fresh money. I'll call it. Oh, absolutely. Very cool. Okay, so I, I know we got a, down a tangent there after we talked about dealing with a wholesaler. I know, so Matt McKeever's crew, shout out to Matt. He's been on the podcast. Adam Martin's been on. Uh, at one point, we're going to get Mike Nowicki on here. So Mike, shout out to you. Uh, he always comes out to the events. Sure, there's another one you got to talk to who works with Mike. Mike's awesome. Don't get me wrong. I love Mike. Watches banana posts every morning <laughs> on, on Instagram. Mike and the missing banana. Mike can, and the missing banana. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but Shahir. Uh, so Shahir is another wholesaler. I have met Shahir. So Shahir is the one who presented this deal. So there was another deal that Mike presented. It was on Florence, actually, but the timing was right for me. So I suggested that to uh, one of my other friends who ended up going with that property. Okay. 
But Shahir, I mean, Shahir and Mike are just busting it out there. I mean, I mean, Shahir doesn't even have a car. He's taking yeah. a bus and he's knocking and door on doors. Knocking. The yeah. guy has frostbite on his ears. And I, I value that because that's how I grew up. You know, you, it's the grind. It's not, hey, you know, saying life's not fair and waiting for something. He's out there. Mike's out there and they're yeah. busting it out there. So my hat's off to the, both those gentlemen because they're working it hard. And I, I value that. So for those of you who don't know how they find their deals, uh, they knock on doors and 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 say, hey, I'm, I'm looking for a house in the neighborhood. And they talk to people. Imagine that. Uh, and they have a lot of conversations. But uh, I just saw a video of Mike talking about how he made $45,000 in fees in a month yeah. doing that. So yeah. there's there's such a huge value add. And, you know, anyone, any one of us could go out and knock on doors. Yeah. No one wants to. Sure. But it, you know, that hustle is what brought you the deal. So, uh, for those who aren't familiar with it, you're working with a wholesaler. You basically give them a fee. They legally assign the contract to you, and then the lawyers close it. Make sure they get paid, and then make sure you get paid as well. Of course, or sorry, you get the property. Of course, and then the seller, of course, ultimately gets paid too. Exactly. Um, some things to be aware of for people who are thinking about going down that route. If you do buy from a wholesaler, you're obligated to close on the date that they had booked. Uh, you know, you're legally liable if you don't. So you, you really got to be careful. Make sure you found something you want. Also know that you don't have a realtor and, you know, disclosures didn't happen. So maybe ask questions. Make sure it's not a grow up. Make sure that you're not buying something that that the bank's not going to want to finance in the long run. These are just some initial thoughts. Obviously, do more due diligence than what I'm throwing out there. But uh, Absolutely. And it's so and, that, and it's so important having a good wholesaler too because they're going to bring these as well. If they and you know maybe it's a mentorship that Shahir and Mike have being around Jeff Wivo, who's just a very successful real estate agent who understands private deals, understands this model, and without me even picking up the phone, um, I got a call from Shahir and he said, "Hey, just so you know, this has come up and you need to look at it." And there was notice of violations. Yeah. And so I knew them. I took them to my contractor. He goes, yeah, these are no handrail. We can do that. We can do this. We can do that. Um, so that, that just that openness and transparency, it's trust. Trust is, is everything, you know, and, um, and these guys get it. And it's what allows you to grow, right? It allows you to grow. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So transitioning into your next steps, do you feel like you're sort of capped out for cash or do you still have more cash to invest in deals? Or is this why you're going down that Airbnb re-rental strategy? I'm doing the Airbnb re-rental strategy as I'm going to give it a shot. It's an, it, an opportunity presented itself. So a fellow investor, landlord, uh, friend approached me saying he was looking for seeing if I had knew anybody that was looking for a place. And I said, I'll rent it out from you. And so yeah. getting my corporation to rent it out and giving that a try. Um, so we're going to give that a try. I mean, I have a couple other properties that I want to refinance next year. Um, and I'm just going to throw it out there. I am looking for private money. <laughs> so yeah. I have to throw it out there with some of the projects and some of the scaling I want to do next year. Yeah. Um, so um, so I have other, you know, things I'm looking at. Uh, 2020 is going to be an interesting but a phenomenal year. That's yeah. what I look at as I think there's going to be a lot of creativity there. It's going to be an aggressive year for me. There you go. That's awesome. I think it's for everybody. 2020, there's something about it, right? So 2020 is the one. So I think I was trying to look it up. Uh, it's it's roughly episode nine, I think, or 10, where I had Sammy Khan talk about the Airbnb re-rental okay. strategy. So he was doing that. He still is um, okay. basically finding landlords, uh, negotiating with them, okay. giving them one level of rent, then renting it out on Airbnb. And he yeah. was he was scoring about $2,000 per per property. Uh, he had over $10,000 in that cash flow at the time I talked to him and I actually caught up with him recently and he's up even more from that. Wow. Now, of course, regulation makes me a little less keen on it, yeah. but there's so much opportunity there. 
Uh, I think that at the end of the day, Mark, you're still you're still young in your journey. And what you're going to find is is that there are going to be certain things that you decide are worth your time. And then certain things you say, you know what, that's a logistical challenge for me that I don't want to deal with. Of course. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. You know what? Uh, looking back at this, my God, I spent, I mean, this last last week uh, shopping <laughs> for this place, It's yeah. it just took so much time. And time is money is the way I look at it. it, okay. it it's not, and they say, you know, cash is king. No, time is king for me. You got to create the systems, you right? You got to create the systems. Um, and um, so we're doing this. We're going to try it on for size. But the nice thing is I'm, I'm, I'm going to be doing a more hands-off approach because Zara is going to be handling that side and that's stuff she enjoys. Um, I just want to make sure the place is, is the numbers make sense. So Austin Ye, have you met Austin? Yeah. Austin, another great guy. I mean, the information out there is so invaluable and everybody's handing it out to everybody. So he came up with a re-rental calculator. So I ran the numbers on that. And conservatively, conservatively, and, and, and Samuel Young has even said, my numbers are too low, but I like to be conservative. I'm looking at a 74% ROI. Nice. On a year. Just on your furniture investment. Yeah, I think you're being conservative. I think you can smash smash 100%, no problem. Real numbers, I did yesterday 126%. Yeah, I think you're over 100%. I, I really do. Especially if you get a little keen and, and you know, if you have a pickup truck, go buy everything off of Kijiji. You know, buy, buy used because yeah, it'll take a bit more time. And, you know, maybe this is... I had a comment. Serious real estate investors don't use IKEA. Sorry, uh, I'm just, <laughs> you can, um, yeah. but you you need to realize the amount of problems that come with working with IKEA. Uh, AKA things are always missing from your order. Um, the going to the store and no one helps you. Like I've I used to get my kitchens from IKEA, and I said no more. I, I pay I pay thirty forty percent more to not work with them just to save my time. So yeah. there is a balance there, right? Because mm-hmm. if you're trying, you know, if you're running around on, on Kijiji and Craigslist and Facebook Marketplace trying to find stuff right. you might burn out right so yeah i guess just grow slowly with that right. feel it out and and then if you need to yeah then eventually you just build a relationship with with uh furniture providers direct yeah. and you just you find your set furniture package and you order the same thing well and andrew what i did was when i paid that fee to that mastery program um and i paid 397 dollars us but they gave me the templates they gave me the programs they gave Perfect. me the list and they tell you where to buy things yep. what what people are looking for how to keep your scores the way they need to be in your reviews and then by chance we decided to do this right before black friday nice and cyber monday so we were able to get brand new things for 60 70 percent off peanuts yeah so we had put a budget of about five thousand dollars mind you we were other using other things as well um i believe we're going to be in 4500 plus uh you know the first and last month's rent amazing Okay, Mark, I just wanted to transition as we uh, we sort of wrap up here. Uh, do you have one tip that you would like to uh, share with our audience? I got two. If two? That's okay. A two is fine. Number one is shut up and listen. Go to these meetups, introduce yourself, and just listen, 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 listen. You take it all in. Uh, that's number one. I mean, you may, you know, like I, I could look at these deals saying, oh, yeah, I'm on a great, great things. No, I'm on a journey to, to learn and be successful. Number two is execute. Execute. This all goes to waste if you're not executing. And the best way to learn is by execution. It's applying the knowledge. That would be my two tips. Listen. Yeah, absolutely. Well said. Um, okay. So if somebody wanted to get in touch with you, follow your journey where should we send them? A um, couple of things. I mean, on the card itself. Uh, so we have, uh, you can follow me on Instagram. It's the uh, 72 Real Estate Investor. So at 72 Real Estate Investor and 72 is, is the number seven, the number two. Yeah. 
then on YouTube, I have a YouTube channel, uh, which is 7-2, the 7-2 uh, real estate investor. Uh, on uh, Facebook, uh, you can find me under Mark Smith. Um, okay. so that's where you can find me there. Um, I'm on TikTok now. So that's 72 real estate investor. That. I've been looking at that. Not sure what to do with that. But, uh, uh, you know, I've been putting stuff out there and that's more my real side. Like, you know, I got my professional side, which yeah. most of the time I am, but that's more of like the younger. I've actually, I think most of my followers are teenagers. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so, that's, that's sort of the platform. Right. So, platform. but, uh, and then, uh, so I have that. And you know what? I'm a risk taker. I threw a text out to Gary V yesterday and sure enough, I got a text back. Uh, mind you, it was automatic oh, or whatever yeah, it is. Yeah, but yeah. hey, you know what? You, you, you don't shoot, you don't score. Absolutely. Yeah. So that's where you can find me. Uh, I'm out there and I'm finding any social media platform. Okay. It's content. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. So, so Mark Smith, they'll, they'll find you. I'll put, uh, I'll put the key links so they'll get to your Instagram and your Facebook uh, or sorry, at least your Instagram and your YouTube and then they can go from there. Fantastic. Um, okay. Just before we go, favorite real estate book? Ooh, yeah, there's there's a number. Um, of course, everybody on our podcast says Rich Dad Poor Dad, so I'm not sure if I should even say that. We'll we'll take that as a given. Would you say that's number one? Yes, because it, it definitely paints the picture. It paints the picture. Um, other ones is uh, my coach had me had I'm still reading it. He's uh, which is uh, is it Money People Deal? Oh, okay, by Stephen Stephen Okay. That's another great, great way of sort of zoning it in together what's required. Mm-hmm. Um, another one I really enjoyed was uh, The Richest Man in, in Babylon. I haven't read that one. It's, just, it's a nice one of those stories that it just brings back a lot of what our parents used to say, hey, save a bit, do this, do that. Yeah. It just brings back in a nice story. Cool. Awesome. Well, uh, Mark, that was, uh, that was great. I really appreciate you coming on. Um, like I said, I think, I think you're bringing a lot of enthusiasm and a lot of energy to this. Oh, thank you. At a, at a, you know, with the quick start, love to see that, keep that momentum. I like that you got a coach because that's going to help you to push it and keep Mm -hmm. going, keep it going even faster. And, uh, I'm I'm looking forward to seeing what you do next. Oh, I appreciate that. And you know what? The coach allows me to focus as well. I'm a ball of energy, as you can see, and it's very easy to go to these meetings and see what other people are doing. You need someone that just, you zone it in. Yeah, absolutely. And that's what has to happen. So, and one, one self, uh, selfish plug here, uh, you said, you know, go to the meetups, shut up and listen. Um, absolutely do that. If you're in London, there's several Mark can connect you. If you, if you reach out to him, um, I can also show you which ones, uh, that I'm aware of there too. Uh, if you want to come and you're in the greater Toronto area, greater Burlington, Hamilton area, hit me up. Um, I always put the, uh, the meetup group in our, uh, our show notes so that you can come out and meet me and maybe Mark one of these yeah. times you can come I out I want to come out every time yeah. I look at something, my day job gets yeah. in the way. Um, also having four kids gets in the way, but I definitely want to, cause it looks like those are epic events and I yeah. really want to come out. I, I've heard Mike Nowicki actually mentioned how great they are too so yeah mike comes up from london every time so um i let him put up his sign (laughs) (laughs) he puts it he puts his control your property sign there you go good for you but yeah no i love the hustle anyways thank you so much and uh and i'll be looking forward to an update great thank you hey guys thanks for watching today's episode just a quick reminder if you have not already done so please take a moment to rate and review this podcast on either itunes apple podcast or stitcher uh, and give it a five star let me know what you think it helps more people to find this podcast and helps it grow if you're watching on youtube please like and subscribe to the video and leave a comment below and while you're at it why not share this episode with somebody it could help thanks again i really appreciate it and we'll see you on the next episode Mm -hmm.